Okay. I want to appreciate God for this wonderful privilege yet again to stand in our presence this early morning to share God's word together. And um, I want to appreciate God that this time around, I'm not doing it as the Bible study secretary, but as the G rabbi to initiate um, having G's to come and take morning devotion. Amen. Probably be my last morning devotion. It's not impossible. Okay, um, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 8. I also appreciate the leadership of the house for deeming it fit to even while we were not yet G's by faith. Write it there that um, G rabbi will take <laughs> morning devotion today. And um, God saw your faith and accounted it for reality. Chapter 8. Um, our anchor text is in verse 36, but I would like us to start from verse 31. I'll be fast. We probably will read many scriptures. I actually don't know what exactly we want to say, but I trust God that in your mouth and I'll feel it and it will say something. Um, the title is Exercise Your Freedom and it's meant to be an exhortation. And um, exhortations are meant to charge you hope to a point where you want to begin to act in that light. John chapter 8, I'm reading from verse 31 from the New Century Version. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you continue to obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. They answered, we are Abraham's children and we have never been anyone's slave. So why do you say we will be free? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Everyone who lives in sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not stay with a family forever, but a son belongs to the family forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be truly free. I know you are Abraham's children, but you want to kill me because you don't accept my teaching. I'm telling you what my father has shown me, but you don't. You do what your father has told you. Then verse 39 says, they answered, our father is Abraham said, if you were really Abraham's children, then you do the things that Abraham did. I am a man who told you the truth, which I heard from God, but you are trying to kill me. Abraham did nothing like that. So you are doing the things that your own father did. But they said, ah, we are not like children who never knew who their father was. God is our father. He is the only father that we have. And verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were really your father, you would love me because I came from God and now I am here. I did not come by my own authority. God sent me. You don't understand what I say because you can't accept my teaching. You belong to your father. The third time he's saying the father, Jesus mentioned the name. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to do what he wants. He was a murderer from the beginning and was against the truth. And because there is no truth in him when he tells a lie he shows what he is really like because he is a liar and the father of lies but because i speak the truth you don't believe me can any of you prove that i am guilty of sin if i am telling you the truth why don't you believe me then verse 47 but the person the person who belongs to god accepts what god says but you don't accept what god says because you don't belong to god exercise your freedom exercise your freedom and from the context of the passage we just read it was more of an argument or a debate not an argument it was a debate between jesus and the unbelieving jews why circus they believe they know but they know not that they know not and he that knows not that he knows not 
They say he's a fool that should be shunned. Amen. And then they were engaging Jesus in a discussion. Jesus told, started reading from earlier verses, like around 27. You probably get it better. And Jesus told them in verse 32 that you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. And they, understand, or they understood from that phrase or statement that that implies that they must have been in some slavery. And then they started them arguing with Jesus that, what's up? Um, we were never slaves, let alone need freedom. And Jesus was trying to make them know that by virtue of everything they've been doing, including what they are doing at that moment, attempting to kill him, it all points to one single fact that they are sinners. They are still in sin. And he that sins is a slave to the sin. Some, I mean, verse 34, I tell you the truth. Everyone who lives in sin is a slave to sin. Now today we want to talk on exercise your freedom. And there are different types of freedom we could talk about. But there is a particular one in context that Jesus was talking about here, which is the freedom of us. Amen. Amen. So we want to talk on exercising our freedom over sin. Permit me. And it's the state of being free and unrestricted. The state of being free and unrestricted. And then when I started pondering on this just some few minutes ago, actually, I, I was asking myself um, of the struggle that we've all had with sin or that we are still having, many of us, with sin and how that... And how that um, it just looks pretty much difficult for a Christian to come out and say, I am free or I have freedom, literally, over sin. Amen. Of which that was God's original idea. That I am totally free, absolutely free, as far as sin is concerned. If there's freedom over sin, then every other type of freedom you can think of or think about falls into place. They are in, in the inside that freedom over sin. And you can't talk of freedom without that power dimension. Even the dictionary acknowledges that it's the power or the right. And um, shortly, I mean, the more I, I, I thought about the whole saga, the more I discovered that. What many of us have been doing is that um, even after we became born again, like the Galatian, Galatian church, we're still trying to finish up what God started in the spirit, in the flesh. Amen. Um, what is sin? I would say sin is the transgression of the law. Should we start from there? Okay. Um, first John chapter 3. We will open quite a number of scriptures. Though. The scriptures will speak for itself so that um, it won't preach some licentiousness and of course I'll balance everything. First John chapter 3 verse scripture from here for so that everybody can hear. I know not everybody brought a Bible. The person who sins breaks God's law. Yes. Sin living against God's law. KJV says sin is the transgression of the law. To transgress is to break. Amen. Sin is the transgression of the law. And um, when a Christian becomes a Christian, when a, when a person becomes a believer, when you are born again and you become saved, amen, Bible makes us know that we are not under the law. We are under a new law. Romans chapter 8, for the law of, of, the, the, the law of the spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus has set them free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? The law of sin and death are all those injunctions you see in the Old Testament, including the Ten Commandments. When I come and tell you now that you are not meant to be living by the Ten Commandments, it sounds heretical. Amen. In this particular passage we read, they were arguing based on the fact that they were children of Abraham. They said, we are children of Abraham. We did this, we did that. Abraham lived at a time when there was no law. Amen. He lived at a time, you know, now we pay tithes because we believe the Bible says you should pay tithes. Abraham paid tithes when there was no such law that paid tithes. He paid tithes to Melchizedek out of the understanding and dimensions of God he has gotten. One of the reasons why I respect my namesake in the Bible, Joseph, is while he was saying, how shall I do this great wickedness and sin against God? There was no law that said thou shall not commit adultery. It was still years ahead that those laws would come. But they lived at a dispensation when law was not yet as it were given, and yet they lived a life that was pleasing to God. That is a, a tip of the ice badge as far as the panoramic view of what God is expecting is concerned. When you become a Christian, you are absolutely under a new law. The Bible calls the law of liberty in KJV or the law that sets free in many other translations. And that law is the truth. You shall know the truth or the law that sets you free. And that law sets you free. That law is the law of love. Everything is summarized in that singular law. The law of love. And love is boundless, literally. So if you want to fully ex explore your freedom as a Christian, you almost think you are free to do anything, anyhow, any, anyway. That is the other extreme of this message that some fanatics have preached. But that's not true. Because even God himself, something governs him, and that is love. Amen. And when love takes over, when, when the truth or the law of liberty takes over your life, and bees, it, it becomes what determines your steps, determines your action, we saw the dictionary definition of freedom to be in three, three dimensions. Acting, speaking, and thinking freely. Bible was saying in Psalm 19 that let my spoken words and my silent thoughts be acceptable to you. When a Christian can live at a dimension where his thoughts, his words, and of course his actions ultimately are all in alignment with the truth, not the law. The reason why many of us keep feeling guilty when, when, we, when we fall short as it were is because we are still weighing this new life on the old scale that has passed. And so you keep thinking you are falling short of something. Let's read some scripture so that it won't just sound like um, I'm introducing something that is extremely... It's a dangerous ground to tread as Christians anyway or to teach and preach. And many people shy away from it, but this is the truth. And once you know it, you know it. Amen. Okay, um, let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 8. James chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 8. I'll read down to verse 13. This royal law is found in the scripture. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you obey this law, you are... But if you treat one person as being more important than the other, you are sinning. You are guilty of breaking God's law. A person who follows 
all of God's law but fails to obey even one command is guilty of breaking all the commands in that law. The same God who said you must not be guilty of adultery also said you must not murder anyone. So if you, don't, if you do not take part in adultery but you murder someone, you are guilty of breaking all of God's law. And in everything you say and do, speech and action, say and do, remember that you will be judged by the law that makes people free. That's another, another type of law entirely. And if you keep remembering that there is a different law, the law of grace, the law of mercy, the law of truth, the law of life, that, you, that will be used in judging you, then the next verse says, so you must show mercy to others too. Or else God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. Because you now live at God's mercy. But God's mercy is not a thing to abuse. Amen. And neither is his grace something to take for granted. He frowns at people that attempt it. Amen. Okay, James chapter 1. Still in that same James, verse 25. Verse 25. But the truly happy people, if you want to be truly happy, the truly happy people are those who carefully study God's perfect law that makes people free. And they continue to study it. They do not forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. Those who do this will be made happy. God's perfect law that makes people free. He's talking of God's word. Amen. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. I think does a lot of justice to the whole thing. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 26. Um, okay, let me start from verse 1. I'll read 1 to 4. The law is only an unclear picture of the good things coming in the future. It is not the real thing. The people under the law offer the same sacrifices every year, but these sacrifices can never make perfect those who come near to worship God. If the law could make perfect, the sacrifices would have already stopped. The worshippers would be made clean, and they would no longer have a sense of sin, a sense of sin but these sacrifices remind them of their sins every year because it is impossible for the blood of bull goat take away sins amen verse 9b says that god ends the first system of sacrifices so that he can set up the new system and because of this we are only through the sacrifice christ made in his body once and for all time once and for all time. Every day, the priests turn to do their religious service, often offering the same sacrifice, sacrifices. And those sacrifices can never, they can never take away sins. But after Christ offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right side of God. And now Christ waits there for his enemies to be put under his power. With one sacrifice, he made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy, they are made perfect forever. But at the same time, they are still in the process of being made holy. And then the Bible says in verse 15, the Holy Spirit also tells us about this. First, it says, this is the agreement I will make with them. Quoting from Jeremiah. This is the agreement I will make with them at that time, says the Lord. I will put my teachings in their hearts and write them on their minds. For it, and then it says, their sins and the evil things that they do, I will not remember anymore. And now, when these have been forgiven, there is no more need for a sacrifice for sins. Verse 26, if we decide to go on sinning after we have learned the truth, you can't learn the truth and actually continue sinning because the truth makes you free. If indeed, if we decide to go on sinning after we have learned the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. There is nothing but fear 
in waiting for the judgment and the terrible fire that will destroy all those who live against God. Anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was found guilty from the proof given by two or three witnesses and was put to death without mercy. So what do you think should be done to those who respect the Son of God, who look at the blood of the agreement that made them holy? As no different from others' blood, who insult the spirit of God's grace, the spirit of God's grace. When you when you want to attempt to finish what God started in the spirit by your power, you are insulting God's grace. Amen. I'll take some few more, then try and make a balance and tie everything together. Um, still in that Hebrews, let's see Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter seven. Hebrews 7, verse 19 says, The law of Moses could not make anything perfect. It could not. But now, a better hope has been given to us. And with this hope, we can come near to God. With that hope, we can come near to God. Verse 11 of the same chapter and verse 12 says, The people were given the law concerning the system of priests. Levi. But they could not be made perfect through that system. So there was a need for another priest to come, a priest like Melchizedek, not Aaron. And when a different kind of priest comes, the law must be changed too. The priesthood changed, so the law has to change. So the law of sin and death gave, gave way or paved way for the law of the spirit of life. And when the higher law comes, the weaker law gets dismissed. There is a law called gravity, but when an airplane mounts up, by the law of aerodynamics and or the law of lift, he overcomes that law of gravity. For as long as he wants to stay up, the law of gravity is subject, is overcome. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, first Timothy chapter. First Timothy chapter one. I will just just and then go to the other part. First Timothy chapter one. I read verse eight to eleven. For you to know that the law is good, but it's not for us. Okay, um, it says, but we know that the law is good if someone uses it lawfully. The law is not made for good people, for those who are against the law and for those who refuse to follow it. It is for people who are against God and are sinful, who are unholy, ungodly, who kill their fathers and mothers, who mother, who take part in sexual sins, who have sexual relations with people of the same sex, who sell slaves, who tell lies, who speak falsely, who do anything against the true teaching of God. The teaching is part of the good news of the blessed God that he gave me, Paul, to tell. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 from verse 6. This, the latter part. It says, no one could find fault with the way I obeyed the law of Moses. This is Paul himself talking. Those things were important to me, but now I think they are worth nothing because of Christ. Verse 9 says, now I am right with God, not because I followed the law, but because I believed, because I believed in Christ. God uses my faith to make me right with him. And I want to still know Christ and the power that raised him from the dead. I want to share in his suffering and become like him in his death. Then I have hope that I myself will be raised from the dead. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. This probably is where I'll stop before I go to the other part. The Jewish law had many commands and rules, but Christ ended that law. 
His purpose was to make the two groups of people become one new people in him and in this way make peace. Ephesians 2.15, in this way make peace. And in the latter part of verse 16, it says, Christ did all this with his death on the cross, with his death on the cross. And lastly, Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. Galatians 5. Let me just pick that verse 18. There are many verses I would have loved us to read there. It says, but if the spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. If the spirit, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And it is to such that Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, 16 especially, says, come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace in, this, in that particular time of need. Mercy is you are meant to be punished, but you are not receiving the punishment that is proportionate to your offense. Grace is you are receiving that good package that you don't deserve. So the fact that you are not even getting the punishment that you deserve is grace in itself. When you obtain mercy, you find grace. They go together. Because the whole package of mercy, you don't deserve it. Amen. But like I said, it's, it's, it's good and nice and sounds touch to know that we are not under the law. But at the same time, it's, it's not, it's not um, a license to live life anyhow. Amen. I'll ask a question with an obvious answer as I round off. Um, there's a place where every reasonable person is a country. That everybody, everybody that is fine comes into that country at least once in every three days. So people go to that country every day. But when you're in that country, you are so free, you are in charge. You can do and undo. Anything you say is said. Anything you, anything you do is done. And all of us attend that country at least once in three days. For some people like me and some other people every day. What country is that? The toilet. Hallelujah. Now, the true test of freedom, actually, is who you are when nobody is there. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis 39, around verse 11, it says that, and after all the men of the house were gone, Potiphar's wife came again, as she had always been coming, lie with me. And Joseph said, ah, no. How shall I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I'll tell you a joke. There was a man, he was on an air flight, and then... He needed to use the restroom in the plane. He's a man. And eventually, there was no, there was no room. There was no space. He's, 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 there's always somebody inside. This time, he goes there to check. And he was prepped. So the attendant said, okay, um, I can help you, sir. You can, can you use the female's restroom? But if you are going to use the female restroom, just ensure that you enter, do what you do, and come out. Don't press any buttons, because there are some buttons in the female restroom that the male restroom does not have. The man said, ah, she means for me to quickly do this thing. Let me go inside. And the man went in. And of course, he did what he had to do. And then after he had been relieved. You know, that's, that's always our problem. When you are now relieved and you feel fine and better. That's when you now remember that, okay. And they said there are some buttons here, Seth. <laughs> and he was like, okay. Who will know if I press anything? She be, I'm inside the toilet now. Nobody sees me. Everybody respects your privacy when you're inside the toilet. And he was like, who will know if I press anything? There were four buttons. And they were coded. One was WW, one was WA, one was um, PP, and then one was ATR. That one was colored red, and the, the button was beautiful. And then he started from the first one, he pressed it. We know if I pressed it. And he pressed it, and he discovered that as he was sitting on the water closet, warm water was coming from beneath to wash his bomb bomb automatically. And I was like, wow, ah, ah. ladies are enjoying oh, this thing, is fun and everything. And he couldn't wait to press the next one, WA, and he pressed it. And then warm air came and was blowing under him, and everything was drying, the water. 
I was like, wow, these people are really, really, why are these things not in men's toilets now? And then he pressed the next one, PP, and then there was a powder puff that came and caressed his bomb bomb and added saint and everything. Ah, now I was like, this is nice. Oh. And then he pressed the last one, the ATR, and the next thing he knew was he found himself on an hospital bed when he woke up. <laughs> and he was looking at the nurse that was attending to him and was asking, ah, what happened? How did I get here? And the nurse said, you pressed too many buttons. <laughs> I won't tell you what ATR means. But whatever it meant, he pressed the last button and um, it was something that was meant to be exclusively feminine and he didn't have that thing. And the machine had assumed that he had it and disciplined him. Amen. And he found himself on the hospital bed. Why? Because of the foolishness of thinking who we know. Proverbs chapter 9, as I round off. Proverbs chapter 9. We all keep asking ourselves that who we know. Who we know if I browse the pornographic site on my phone. Who will know if I, if I whispered answer to question number two to the guy in the name exam? Who will know? Who will know if I collected 40,000 during high neck? Who will know? Who will know? Who will know if I did this? Who will know if I did that? Who will know if I'm wearing clothes that um, I can't wear at home in Gombe? Who will know? Who will know? Are we in Proverbs chapter 9? Okay. Let me read from verse 14. There is a woman speaking, not a woman actually. She's foolish. She sits at the door of her house at the highest place in the city and she calls out to those who are passing by who are going along minding their own business. This is what that person says. She says to those who are uneducated, I think the message says, he says to those who are stupid, come in here, you foolish people. Water is sweeter and food eaten in secret tastes better. But these people don't know that everyone who goes there dies and that our guests end up deep in the grave. Stolen water tastes sweet, KJV says. Bread eaten in secret tastes best of all. You know that is someone that is stupid that talks like that. And he's saying, if you know you are as foolish as me, come, I have something that you will like. If you, if you still, you know how it is, brothers that have stolen water to bath. Those bath, those kind of bath, I've not tried it before, so, but I think they enjoy it. If not, they won't be doing it again and again. Amen. Or bread eaten in secret. When you steal somebody's property to, to go and... You know how you feel now. You are doing it with all the sense of, I must not be caught, I must not be caught. And yet they are saying that one is the one that tastes best of all. It's foolishness. There is, there is, there is as wonderful as freedom is, which we are urging you to exercise. Because the truth to continuing to become a, 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 an overcomer in the Christian work is, after every fall, you understand Proverbs 24, 16, the righteous fall seven times, and it rises again. And Hebrews 4, 16 says, come boldly. Come boldly means you are coming with the understanding that you have an
As he was talking to the king, he brought out his sword and killed the king right inside and came out. And because the people respected the privacy of the king, God's word translation in Judges 3.24 says, they thought the king was in the toilet, was using the toilet. So they had to respect that privacy. They didn't go in. If they had gone in on time, they would have discovered and probably would have been able to rescue him. But by the time they were, ah, is it ah, toilet that this king is using for three hours? Let's go and see what's happening. They broke the door open. The man was dead. So there are times that freedom will, it will kill you before you know it. So what we have in Christianity is freedom, is liberty, not licentiousness. It's not the, the freedom to do anything that you like. But the truth is you are not under the law. Get that one right today. If you understand that one, then you understand that whatever the devil has to do as far as guilt is concerned. Because guilt is, is the major retarder of growth for Christians. It's what retards our growth the most. And it keeps taking us farther away from the Father. Revelation 3.20 as around. Let's rise to our feet. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If there is any that hears my voice, said, I will come in and will share a meal as friends. And I was asking myself the, the last time I read that scripture that where is the meal coming from? Am I the one that is cooking it or himself? That tells me that while he was even standing outside, he brought a lot, he brought a feast with him. Psalm 23 verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And those enemies are always standing by. So what the devil wants to do is, he wants you to mess up while eating, such that you think you shouldn't continue eating with him. I want to draw away from the table. And the truth is, as far as you are drawing away from the table, you are drawing closer to those enemies that are standing. They are always standing to watch. And so they are waiting for when you will move close enough to them and they will snatch you finally. And to come back to that dining table becomes a problem. That's what the devil does. And he keeps using the same tactics over and over. The tactics of guilt. But if you understand that you are to stay and eat. What food are we eating? It is God's word. It's God's word in different forms. We keep eating and eating and eating. And the more you stay to eat, the more you are transformed into what you are beholding. Second Corinthians 3.18 You keep beholding as in a mirror and you are being transformed to what you see from one level of glory to another. I want you to talk to God that, you know, I, I want you to come to a place today where you understand that God is your father and he's the father that loves you. If he did not, he would not send his only begotten son. The reason why he sent Jesus is not so that you become a born again Christian that will still be thinking that all those laws of the Old Testament are what matters. You are meant to come to a point where you are obeying God or you are, you are, you are, you are responding to the truth based on your depth of relationship with Jesus. It's not about people coming to argue and argue, this is what the law says, you must wear this, you must not wear this, you must pay tithes like this, you must not. Those things are not meant to be motivated by law. They are meant to be motivated out of your love for the master and for your neighbor. So I want you to cry out to God and acknowledge him again as your father and tell him that you are coming back, you are back fully. Like that prodigal, he said, uh, when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go back to my father and say, I've offended God and him. I want you to go back to that God because he's waiting with open embrace to welcome you back. And this time around, tell him you have come to stay. Tell him you have come to stay. Tell him you have come to eat. Tell him you have come to be a part of the dining that he has prepared. Tell him the door is now opened and you are tired of eating the crumbs you've been eating. You want to be satisfied in the lavish dinner he has brought for you. 
And you don't just pray it in prayer now and stop. Obeying God is practical. Believing is very practical. You have to take it to the level of ensuring that you communicate with him every day. You have continuous unbroken koinonia with him. You are feasting continually. You are meditating a scripture in your heart continually. You are praying and building up yourself in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost continually. You are doing good to all men, especially those of the household, household of faith. Continually. You are exercising every of those graces that he has deposited in you as a divine deposit continually. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We worship and adore your name. For in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Sweet Father, we thank you. I give you glory. I give you praise. I give you honor because you are my Father and our Father. I thank you because in these few years I found you. I've worked with you with, with, with an understanding that gives me solace each time I talk about you. And I thank you because someone somewhere here today has caught the same fire and spirit and is coming coming back to stay, coming to stay and continue heating from, from your table. I ask, Father, that you welcome us all back and throw a big party, for your word says that there is a great joy over just one soul that makes that decision. And we ask, Father, that you will satisfy us heavily with your mercy and will not be tired of the recipe you bring per day in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Can we just close?